0: Hey yo hey yo mic check one two one two mic check one two one two salutations beautiful people you are now tuned in to the minority report I am your host Dre E. The Minority Report Podcast is the dopest podcast on the planet where we tend to focus on issues, problems, great things, bad things affecting all minorities across the world. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Let's go. Mic check, mic check, one, two, one, two, mic check, one, two, one, two. Hey, yo, what's up? This is Dre E. This is the Minority Report, episode number 21 Got a special guest in the building. My man, Josh McGee from Past the Jam Podcast is in the building, y'all. We're here to talk about a few things um, from everything from life to Black Lives Matter to shit, any and everything we're going to come across. So without further ado, uh, Josh, how you doing, man? I'm good, brother. What's going on? Thanks for having me. uh, Anytime, man. Anytime. I appreciate it, man. So um, Josh, man, um, we linked up. Uh, about a week ago, about mm-hmm. a week ago, at one of the uh, Black Lives Matters protests for um put on by young ambitious activists. Yes, shout sir. out to them!
1: Shout out to Y-A.
0: uh, YAA. So, um, shout out to them, man. Um, we linked up, um, found out you know we have uh podcasting mm-hmm. in common, man. So, um, I did your podcast a few days ago, and yes, here sir. we are, um, doing another link one. It right back here. up for yeah, yeah link for more it good stuff, yes, sir. M- more good stuff, man. So, so first, uh, man, uh Tell us about yourself, man. Well, first, tell us about your podcast, Passage Jam.
1: Yep. Um, well, again, appreciate it. Like I said, us linking up and being up-and-coming podcasters here in San Antonio. Yes, sir. More of this of collaborating, linking yes, up, sir. putting good content out there is what, you know, what matters. Yes, sir. Um, Passage Jam came about, man, just uh, me taking a long hiatus from social media um, and, you know, work on things in my life and this and that. And um, some buddies and I linked up after a long time of not talking and, um, us just spend time together and having conversations. I guess maybe what I've been working on in my life, maybe books I've been reading, stuff I've listened to. One of them put in my head, he's like, hey, man, like you're a great conversationalist. You ever thought about a podcast? He's like, you love podcasts. You're a fan of them. What if you tried?" And I was like, I not right, well, Just shoot the shit see what happens. And <laughs> so, um, like we talked about um, when you were a guest with me, how black excellence on social media really put me on game. So Prince Donnell, Dana Chanel out of Philly. When he had his video of how to start a podcast and I saw that, I was immediately tuned in. I'm like, cool, it's affordable, it's easy to do, it's straightforward, right off the jump, so let's do it. Mm-hmm. Um, acquired all the gear I needed. Okay. Um, that said friend, um, shout out to my boy Alec, he's the one who put it in my head, and then the first couple episodes were with him, as you heard. Okay. And um, very, yeah, he's very,
0: who... very insightful guy.
1: Man. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. he's got a lot going on between his ears, yeah, man, yeah, and yeah, I got a lot of love for that guy, so it's unfortunate him and I don't get to spend as much time together right. as we used to, but we're working on that. But um, he helped plant that seed in my mind. There you go. And it all grew from there. And that's how Pastor Jam came around. And, um, you know, right off the jump, a lot of my influences in the podcast world, you know, Rogan, mm-hmm. um, Aubrey Marcus out of uh, On It Supplements in Austin, Texas. Okay. Um, Kyle Kingsbury, uh, EYL, Earn Your Leisure, uh-huh. um, Todd Billionaire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just transparent, no holds bar conversations. Yeah. Um, just straightforward human human, or sometimes in a group, you know, two, three, four of us. That's what really resonated with me, and mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to emulate my own show. Mm-hmm. And that's what I continue to try to do, man. It's just human conversations. That's
0: good, man. Um, I, I, like I said, I thoroughly enjoy it. I'm a, I'm a couple, I'm a couple episodes in. Appreciate that uh, to your podcast right now, man. And um, your pilot episode, man. Um, let's talk about that for a second, man. So your pilot episode, man. Um, Whew, man, it was uh <laughs> <laughs> a little much, huh? No, no, not yeah. at all, man. I mean, what I love about it, what I love about it and what I will continue and always love mm-hmm. about your podcast is the transparency. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean because in that um pilot episode, you spoke about your troubles with addiction, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So, um like I was we were saying off mic, man, I was telling you um addiction, man, that's something I know all I know I know a lot about addiction. Mm-hmm. Not my for myself personally. Um r re- I haven't really struggled with uh too many addictions, but uh I watched my family mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. battle their addictions, um, as far as drugs, alcohol, um, any and everything you name it. I mm-hmm. mean, they've they've been battling that for pretty much my whole existence. Mm-hmm. Um so when I tuned in to uh to your pilot episode, episode number one of Pastor Jam, man, mm-hmm. I I was shocked man and, and not shocked in the mm-hmm. sense that you know you've been through some things man but um like I said I mean meeting you I would never would have suspected any of that man cuz you're so in my opinion um you're put together man you're young you. for that and then I like I told you when I first met you like nah man you're you're way ahead of your time how Thank but you. but I guess You've been through some things, so bit. That, that's gonna <laughs> yeah got some gonna, miles on me. You, you know, yeah. yeah, that's gonna put some miles on you, man. Yeah. So, which explains your maturity, um, you. in my opinion, man. So, um, uh, expound on that, man. Expound on your addiction, um, mm-hmm. whatever it is you was addicted to, um, and basically how you uh, how you came how you came up out of that.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that, um, man. I'm trying to think where it even all starts. Right off the bat. Um, the main the main form of addiction and just overconsumption, of course, was alcohol. Okay, um, you know, being born in South Texas, you know, alcohol is always prevalent. Right. Where either family round barbecues, this right. and that. Right. Hey, you know, young right. man, seven, eight, nine years old, yeah. take a little sip in this and that. <laughs> and it was funny how I think one of the stories that uh, my family tells me is right off the bat, either neighborhood barbecues and this and that. Like the first time I may have been like six, seven, eight years old or whatever. Okay. When the neighbor's was like, "Hey, try the Budweiser and this and that." Blah blah blah. And I took a sip, and you know, most kids are like, "Oh, beer nasty," and this yeah. and that. Right. My mom tells a story. She's like, you liked it from the jump. She was like, oh. And I was like, oh, that's not going to be good. (laughs) So definitely um, further along in the years, you know, preteen years, 12, 13, I remember in middle school, and um, like we talked about, is I feel very blessed and fortunate Mm -hmm. for the neighborhood that I grew up in. It was incredibly diverse, Mm -hmm. mixed. Every walk of life was in there. And then like the schools I went to on the northeast side of town, San Antonio, like, very mixed, mm-hmm. but with that came a lot of exposure to all walks of life. And so, some of the kids who maybe had you know grew up in rougher households and this and that from the jump sixth grade, seventh grade, middle school mm-hmm. I remember water bottles being carried around. Well, it wasn't water in those water bottles mm. anything clear, but it wasn't water, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, definitely, definitely. and that's the crowds I fell in with. So, next thing you know, you know, you're sixth, seventh grade in middle school, or whatever, and taking sips out of a water bottle filled with vodka or tequila,
0: right.
1: and that, that was the big start of it for me. And um, it's funny how, but even before that, as a young kid, I was very sick. Um, Mm -hmm. Severe asthma, Mm -hmm. um, the medications they uh, were prescribing to me, uh, you know, this is, you know, mid 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. -hmm. Um, Our mothers back then, they didn't have all that Wikipedia. They didn't have WebMD. They didn't have, you know, every mother now is on, you know, she's her own keyboard (laughs) doctor. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? definitely, they don't have that access back then, the late 90s. So it's like, hey, do what the doctor tells you to do. Do what the right. doctor prescribes you, and that's it. Don't right. do this, and your child could get even more sick or die. Facts. So I think a lot of my pill dependency mm-hmm. started then at a, in at my that youth. At age, yes. Yeah, because so yeah. it's, you know, those impressionable years where it's just... Right. built into your psyche of like, all right, take these pills, take these pills. That makes sense. So that came along in middle school. Next thing you know, you got some little, you know, 13-year-old homies, you know, their older brothers are the gangbangers. Well, Facts. it rubs off on them. So when they're only 12, 13 years old they know how to slang pills, pass it on the low, right. you know, pass those bottles around the side, that's, you know, a right. lot of it started there and it just escalated and just further evolved and grew into a problem into my teen years in high school, mm-hmm. similar things, you know, quick little pills, mm-hmm. you know, quick little bottle pass, tequila, vodka. Um, And then really got out of hand. I played football all throughout middle school and then up until halfway through high school. Mm -hmm. Um, Sophomore year quit. Junior year went into, uh, you know, the half and half co-op program. School in the morning, go to work in the afternoons. Once I had that freedom and I was driving, Mm -hmm. everything was like just spiraled out of control. And and, um, yeah, the uh, abuse really took form.
0: And that's what I was going to ask you, man. I was going to ask you like. When, like you said, like basically, when did it get out of control for you? Mm-hmm. And um, basically, in your in your later years in high school. Mm-hmm. So, um, being that you were still in high school, how did how did that affect your grades? Like, did, <laughs> did it?
1: Yeah, lucky, lucky I'm still here. Lucky I was supposed to be expelled my um, fall semester senior year. Okay. So senior year, you're already there, buddy. By Christmas break, yeah, I had something like thirty or forty truancies and absences. Mm-hmm. Wow. And that much added up it was like, hey, you're not even here. Like yeah. and the fact that I was doing the co-op program, they're like you don't only, you only need to be here after half ha- halftime. time. Right. And you're still finding exactly. a way to rack up 20, 30 absences. Like what right. the fuck are you doing, you know? Right. And um but that really the tipping point that I learned later on um with the help of like my older sister and and mm-hmm. and um, a lot of the things I've done these days of just, you know, being able to talk it out and right. explore those feelings was um my dad's diet first first battle and diagnosis with cancer. Uh, My junior year of high school. Okay. So that was kind of the perfect storm, so perfect storm, so to speak, of quit football. So you don't have that uh, team mentality anymore. You're not a part of an extracurricular activity. Working. So you got more freedom. You're cruising around. You're only at school half the time. Mm -hmm. Already having those situations and uh, um, opportunities to continue to dabble in drugs and alcohol and other forms of addiction and abuse. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, then a 17 year old kid. Your dad gets diagnosed with cancer. You don't have the support system around you. You yourself. I didn't have the mental capabilities to be like to know what I was going through. Right. So all came out in the form of self abuse, addiction, substances, and then yeah, junior senior year it continued to unravel. Um, He was still struggling senior year, but you know uh, um, he was healing. He was going Mm -hmm. through all treatments and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. and coming around. But um, that just further weighed into school of. I mean, fuck, I didn't even have grades two report because I wasn't there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right. And, um, but luckily, I guess, um, uh, I don't know, man. It was, it was one of those things. It was a blessing. I don't know if it was my energy or just me as a kid or whatever, but there was an assistant vice principal, and she had a thing for me. She was very nice to me, sweet to me. She always looked out for me. Because of her is the only reason I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. She said, you have so much, uh, so many true and absences, you should be expelled right now. You should never come back. She's like, I know you're a good kid. You just got your head up your ass right now, so to speak, you know? Right. So she's like, I was like, all right, you know, am I going to go back to alternative high school, which I had bounced around with for a little bit throughout high school, um, being in trouble and being stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, suspension, whatever. This she's like, you go to two hours of Saturday school. She's like, you don't show up late. You don't show up fucked up. You don't leave a second early. You're there for two hours. You're good. Sw- slate wiped clean. Go to Christmas break. Spring semester, you don't fuck up at all. And you can walk the stage. And by the skin of my teeth, brother, like by her good graces, that's the only <laughs> yeah, way I made it. You that's know? what's up, man. So yeah. Um, being that you were going
0: through that, all of that at that point, um, mm-hmm. how did that affect your relationship with your parents? I mean, was, I mean, of course, you know, your father was, you know,
1: going, exactly going
0: cancer. But uh, what about your mother?
1: There, were, there wasn't one at that time. She was. She talks about it these days. When we have, we've had these conversations. She was so devastated and emotionally shut down from everything. She was barely hanging on by a thread of just taking care Be- of him because of your dad's cancer. Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um. So she's. You know, her first battle with it as his support system. Right, correct. So she's right here, 100%, committed to my dad. Right. Nothing else, you know, nothing else matters. Her peripheral vision is closed off. Right. So my older sister, too, my older sister was going through her stuff. Um, uh, She was having her first child. She was, you know, in her, you know, early 20s, -hmm. experiencing life and this and that. Had to do a lot of that on her own. Mm -hmm. And also... Was doing her best to handle my fuck shit. Right. <laughs> my Got my you. sister was almost you know she, or pretty much was like a second mother figure. Gotcha. She, she is the main reason. Like I said, my mother was so consumed with my father's health mm-hmm. that my sister took it upon herself many many times. There's several weekends where if it wouldn't have been for her, I would have wound up in a ditch somewhere. That's so up, yeah. So uh, my so, other sister. So, salute to her. Man. Yeah, absolutely. That's she it. is a strong individual. Individual. She's um yeah. I love my sister very much. We've progressed a lot in our relationship in recent years and um yeah so between my parents there really wasn't one until later on and um until recent years you know early early mid-20s it really started to develop again and then my father had a second bout with cancer four years ago um but you know everyone was much better equipped and you know more mature in in that phase yeah but back then it was pretty much me me being a dumbass right and uh and my sister doing her best to, to look out for me while my mother was fully consumed and invested in my father's health, man. So, so w-
0: would you say that, um, you know, while, you know, growing up and, you know, struggling with, you know, addiction and things of that nature, um, as far as the circle that you were around, mm-hmm. um, were were they the main people who were influencing you at the time? Or, I mean... That Yeah, that's the question. Yep. And, I mean, however, just knowing that, you know, you're going through everything that you're going through mm-hmm. um, with your father, mm-hmm. um, your father having cancer, um, him not really being around, your mother not being around because of that. So, of course, you're going to gravitate to toward the people who's around you. Yep. So, those people around you at the time, um, they were very influential on you. Would mm-hmm. you say that?
1: Oh, 100%. Okay. Because it's, like I said, perfect storm of everything. 17 years old, stopped playing football. Mm-hmm. I still have all my brothers on the football team. Right. They played all the way through senior year. They went and they had you know successful high school career playing football. Right. Um, but they could only do so much because they're invested in that. And those right. are to this day those are the ones who came back into my life now approaching my late twenties. Those are my my brothers, tried and right. true. Right. Well, me separating myself from that, they couldn't be around as much. So the people I started, you know, right. Associating myself with yeah, and and uh, to put in in a. In a in a polite term, yeah, but, <laughs> and it was funny, it was, all the homies, 17, 18 years old, were also the ones who quit football um, early on, you know, 15, 16 years right, old, right. same thing, but they may, they didn't go and start working or doing half and half, they did, you know. They turn to the street. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, hey, all the other brothers are playing football. The only homies I got are the ones not playing football. Right. And so, yeah, that, um, that was a huge influence in who I surround myself with. And, of course, you're out there with your boys of that lifestyle. Right. It's not exactly, hey man, what are you going through? Or what's going on? It's hey. just like, no, nah, like, fuck nah, it, here nah, you go. Yeah, pass yeah, a bottle, nah, pass nah, a yeah, blunt, yeah, like, yeah. pass Most whatever. Definitely. Like, that's how you're going to cope with it. Most and you cope with negativity, mm-hmm. with negative memes, mm-hmm. you're only going to get more negativity. That's and right. that's, that's how right. everything just continued to spiral out of control. And like I said, it's, it's not their fault. It was my responsibility, I now know, of like who I chose to surround myself with, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, a lot of that just kept, you know, circling the drain more and more. And it was all, you know, it
0: was all on me. So, and what, would um, what was the, uh, what was the breaking point for you as far as your addiction is concerned? What what was the, what was the moment that, if there is a moment, it could yep. be, it could be a series of moments actually, but, um, whatever that moment was that made you, uh, wake up and, um, pretty much realize that this isn't going to work. What, what was that moment for you?
1: There's a couple moments, um, and it changed with different substances, unfortunately. Okay. So, um... Pills was probably the first breaking point I had. Um, I said, you know, being prescribed pills all throughout my youth and this and that. It was habitual, it was easy to right. take. Um, teen years is when it really kicked off, you know, um hydrocoding, Valium, Vicodin, morphine, things of that nature, you know, all this shit just to make you numb, turning into a fucking zombie. Okay. Um the worst it got was like my senior year of high school, 18 years old. And to put in perspective, 16 years old, sophomore year of high school playing football was about 235, 240 pounds, offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. You know, just a oh, yeah, okay. fucking, yeah, a little yeah, barrel, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Junior year, quitting football, getting hooked to pills and alcohol and this and that. Went from 235, 240 all the way down to 150. Shit. 80, was it 80 pounds? Yeah. yeah. 80, 90 pounds. Because I got so hooked on pills and booze, there was the longest stint I ever did. Um, I didn't eat for four days. I was just barred the fuck out. I was a zombie. It was, yeah. j- you know, just deteriorating away. Yeah. And um, I mean, you know, we're we'll get we'll get fucking real. Like, <laughs> um, the breaking point, 18 years old. I remember I started getting profuse nosebleeds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all the pills and everything mm-hmm. rotting me away and this and that. And um, you know, I don't know if this is TMI, but I mean, I talked about it my episode. So it's all good. Um, of not having eaten and everything. My stomach was rotting away, and my um, I later learned, you know, my stomach lining was deteriorating. Uh-huh. Where uh, my bowel movements, bro, were um, were profuse bleeding, oof, pretty much shitting out blood, blood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry if that's much, but no, no, yeah, not at all. no, no. But that's no. what we're here for, you know. No, that's exactly. Yeah. That's what we're
0: here for, man. I mean, and the thing about it is, it's like um, for me, man, and and this podcast, man. Mm-hmm. It's, in my opinion, it's never. Too, you know, too much information. It's never TMI. I appreciate that. Because uh, people need to learn, man. I mean, yeah. I need people to hear this, and, and you never know who you're going to affect or whose yeah. life you're going to change by hearing, you know, some of the things that you and I have been through, man. Yep. So, um, nah, man, they need to hear it. I need to hear it. We mm-hmm. need to hear it. Um, me, myself, like I said, I've never struggled with any type of addiction, man, but um, in my family, uh, from my mother. Um, so, so, with me, man... Um, And they, you know, my podcast audience, they know, um, Mm -hmm. but um, I've seen it firsthand off the rip um, as a young child. My my mother was, my mother, um, I was born in the, I was born in 78, man. So Mm -hmm. I was born right in the midst of the crack epidemic Mm -hmm. when it, you know, hit every like major city here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And um, I was from, uh, I was born in Oakland, California. Okay. So my mother, man, my mother, man, she was, she, I I, I seen her struggle with her addiction. She Mm -hmm. started off. Um, she started off drug dealing, mm-hmm. but then she started, you know, getting high on supplies and stuff, man. Mm-hmm. So, and I and I, w- I had a, I had a front row seat to that. Yeah. you know what I mean. I seen it every day. And hers was, you know, cocaine, crack, mm-hmm. um, any and everything she could get her hand on. So, um, me witnessing that for, I don't know, man, first six seven years of my life, um, I've always mm-hmm. been. I've always been a forward thinker, man. I always mm-hmm. think, like, I've always been ahead of my time as far as my thought process because living in that situation, mm-hmm. um, it makes you mature faster. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know? so um, I've always said that um, I would never, never do that. I mean, because I watch, I watch um, drugs and alcohol, and alcohol is a drug, but... Mm-hmm. 100%, you know, yeah. You know, so I watch drugs and alcohol mm-hmm. single-handedly destroy my whole family, you know? Yep. Um, starting from my mother, you know what I mean. So when you watch shit like that and you and you see the the shit that you know, everything that the uh, the drug underworld uh, brings, um, for me, it's a no brainer. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, I, like I said, I had a front row seat of that shit. Mm-hmm. So when I would like when I was coming up, when I was growing up, um, it never. It never uh, enticed me to, or, you know, excited, mm-hmm. it, it, would, it didn't do anything for me to want to try to mm-hmm. use drugs or, um, you know, drink alcohol or things of that nature. So, till this day, I've never used a drug a day awesome. my life. That's awesome. That's good. Um, I, I barely want to take uh, the over-the-counter Tylenol yep. and shit like that. Because, like I was saying before, you know, we got on the mic, man, um... Um, I never want to be addicted to anything, man. Mm-hmm. So, and I told myself that at a, at a young age. So, even like in middle school, like you said, man, when you know the kids is you know, sneaking alcohol mm-hmm. and drinking the beer and shit. I've always stayed away from that shit, man. And um, it is because, like I said, man, I seen you know firsthand what that shit could yep. do. And for me to be that young and that forward thinking, it's mm-hmm. um, powerful. It was, yeah. It was. It was. Thank you. I appreciate yes, that. Sir. It, it was just. It was. It was life altering to me. Yeah. Because, like, um, I did a stint to where I was was homeless pretty much from 8th grade to 10th grade, man. Wow. And um, I could have gotten to any fucking thing I wanted Mm -hmm. to get into, man. It was um, all there. All that trouble was was right there. there. Yes, all there, man. But I had the wherewithal to fucking um, stay the course, man, and stay focused. Yeah. And, um, because, like I said, I mean, my motivating factor in life has always been my family. Yep. I mean, they're either you know addicted to some, addicted to drugs, locked up, or they're dead. Mm-hmm. And those were the only three outcomes that I've ever seen growing up. And um, outside of my father and his and one of his sisters, my my favorite aunt, mm-hmm. um, everybody else, like on both sides of my family. Um, fell into one of three of those categories. Yep. And I knew, and I had younger cousins, male cousins, mm-hmm. that um, I knew I wanted to give them something, man, to, uh, to, to look up to. Absolutely. Outside of the norm, man. Because I have an older brother, I have an older sister, man. And my older brother, man, he fell victim to it. My mm-hmm. sister, man, she fell victim to it in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, man, just seeing that shit firsthand for me, has always kept me away from that shit, and it's crazy, man. Because like, when I got in the Air Force, mm-hmm. and I got stationed in Las Vegas, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And yeah, it's like... <laughs> yeah. You're like cool, you <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Temptation so, was always there, yeah, but it was it was there. And um, I remember, like, when we all we all turned twenty one, we all got there when we was like 18, 19, mm-hmm. man. So we all turned twenty-one around the same time. So we we was like, yo, man, it's, it's time. Let's man. go. Yeah. And uh I remember like I remember like us all meeting up in the parking lot, man, and you know, getting ready to head to our one of our first clubs and shit, man. Mm-hmm. And you know, they all, you know, they they pregaming and mm-hmm. shit, man. They drinking and you know, you know pouring doing, up, that, yeah. doing everything they doing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm just chilling. It's like, yo, like Dre, what's up, man? You you gonna you gonna I'm like, nah, man, I'm cool. And then I was like, what? Like, how you going to have fun and shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, man, I mean, yo, man, I, I tell them, which sounds corny and cliche, but I used to always tell them niggas, like, yo, man, I get high off life. There man. you I'm go. Be, yeah. Go, man. <laughs> like, and they was like, yeah, all right. And, you know, they were looking at me sideways, mm-hmm. like, how the fuck this nigga going to pull this shit off? Like, yo, mm-hmm. yo. Like, because was, they was, <laughs> even though they my niggas, they've been my niggas at that point in time for like two years, man. So, um. They never seen me, and I never seen them. We'd never been in that environment together. Mm-hmm. And they was looking like me, like, halfway, like, I was going to be a square. cause Yeah, they're like, all right, do do? It, yeah, yeah, you know, he's, he's not gonna, getting fucked up with you. Right, yeah. like, what are you going to do? Yeah. But yeah, when we get to the club, yeah, I, sh- I show them what I do, man. So yeah. and, and from that point on, man, it was just, I love the fact that they, um, they've always respected that about yeah. me, man. I'll give them a, a couple shots, like, like a lot of them you know before they got you know stationed in the other duty stations mm-hmm. or before they got back home there's like they one thing they wanted me to do with them was mm-hmm. take a shot for them man I mean with them so mm-hmm. I'll take a shot with them yeah, you have know I nothing. Yeah. you know have one There's nothing man so I probably took in about maybe 15 shots my whole life man but man. um but no man um so unlike yourself man like for me like I said, man, I seen that at an early age, man, mm-hmm. and I was just, like, hell-bent on not following that path. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't want that shit to, you know, be me and define me. Mm-hmm. At an early age, man, I'm telling you, man, I was, like, six, seven, eight years old, man. I don't know, but I was young as hell, and I knew that wasn't the way I wanted things mm-hmm. to be for myself, man. And like I said, to this day, I never smoked a cigarette. I've never done not one fucking illegal drug mm-hmm. in my life, man. That's and like good. I said, probably 15 shots my whole life, you know? Yeah. So, um... Man, I, I, I empathize with you, man, because like I said, man, I, I've seen that, man, mm-hmm. I've seen how that goes. Um, so, um, fast forward, I mean, for you, man, I mean, like you said, I mean, you, you hit rock bottom a couple times, yeah. Um, switched, depending on the substance, depending d- d- yeah. on the substance, right? Yeah. Um, and I and I believe I'm pretty sure I, I heard in that um in that pilot episode mm-hmm. that you even contemplated suicide, before. yeah. Um, t- speak about that, man. Yeah, tell, man, tell me about that.
1: Well, I'll touch back real quick on on uh, you're, you're hitting a nerve with me. You got me a good okay, thought. No, no doubt. Um, this book I came across or, or a podcast somebody or whatever, but they talked about the way humans learn. Right. And it's, it's this phrase that's really stuck out with me. It says, uh, desperation causes the adaptation. Mm-hmm. That's the way right. we've operated for so long, and right. it's counterproductive. Right. It's like, why do you need to change the second you're desperate? Mm-hmm. The better, more optimal way to function is observation causes the adaptation, which sounds like what you had developed from youth. That's fact. You could just look and be like, cool, I'm not doing that, and I'm going to change and go that (laughs) direction. I didn't have, that's a recent development for me that I can be completely transparent about. It's like now I I can observe and be like, nope, I don't need that. Right. And I had examples somewhat similar to yours of I should have had that. Because same thing, my cousins, my aunt, closer there, my dad's side of the family, Mm -hmm. don't associate with much because growing up, that's what it was all about. Right. Saw the track marks on her arms, their Mm -hmm. arms, as they became teenagers. Right. Saw the needles when we would go over to their house and try to help them out. Mm Mm-hmm. Saw the powder, everything, stuff like that. So as fucked up as it is, it was like my limit was needles. Oh, right. I was like, I saw that at a young age. I'm like, cool, don't no, ever fuck with needles. Right. But pills, booze, and powder, like, have, okay, yeah, I can go I up there. That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, why couldn't I have more of a dream mentality? Where it's <laughs> right. like, But no, my stupid fucking brain as a kid was just like needles. <laughs> 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 right, right, right. That, that's so, where you draw the line. Yeah, so Brandon, you know, fortunately I never touched any shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. But everything below that line, fucking fair game. So yeah, But <laughs> developing that skill, now throughout life like said observation causes the adaptation is is a game changer because when you can just perceive the world around you and change accordingly that's huge Mm -hmm. um so how that played into not only my my suicide attempts um my tendencies my self-harming everything like that throughout the years um i mean i was just an angry kid man that was even before addiction and stuff Mm -hmm. like that like um I mean, I remember being in elementary school, fifth grade, and then in middle school, sixth grade, and stuff like that. Uh, you remember the little playground game, 10 seconds, you know? Yeah. 10 seconds, yeah, no yeah. face shots. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah. I remember being a kid and doing that. And there were times where I would not fight back and I would just take shots. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. I was, um, you know, like I said, full transparency. I was just a fucked up, angry kid. Mm-hmm. And um, you I know, not, not to cut yeah, you off, no, do, do, you think- do you know where that stemmed from? I've worked on that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, a lot of the stuff I've been reading in recent years and working on myself. Right. From what a lot of psychologists base human operation on is we have two modes of, op- uh, of the way we function as human beings. Survival and reproduction. Right. Survival and reproduction. You, you get down to brass tacks, that's the way the, the human animal operates. Mm-hmm. Well, self-preservation and survival, the human being is not designed to harm itself. It's meant to survive and reproduce and flourish. Right. So... A lot of psychologists break it down to, like, why would any human experience or or induce self-harm? Well, it's because somewhere back down the line in the youth, that hardwiring got scrambled. Whether someone was a victim of assault, mm-hmm. someone, you know, grew up in an aggressive, abusive household, things of that nature. So I did a lot of work trying to break that all down. I was like, you know, maybe, you know, slapped her, you know, like, you know. Discipline in the 90s, you know, like you get spanked, you know, right, right, nothing crazy. I was right. never beat as a child, right. you know, nothing like that. Didn't grow up in an abusive household. Um, Probably in a, uh, an angry, emotional household, you know, a lot of yelling, stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, nothing crazy. Right. Yeah. Never, never got my ass whooped. Um, And to the best of my knowledge, you know, never abused, never assaulted, n- nothing like that. So I, I did a lot of work. I was like, I wonder where this came from, mm-hmm. self-harming, mm-hmm. suicidal attempts and tendencies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The best to my knowledge these days, and this is, I laughed when I came to this conclusion because I was like, how fucked up is this? My big thing, how I, you know, go back earlier about um, pretty much my breakup with pills. That was my first one, the, my first rock bottom was like, fuck it now, like I said, like, much like yourself, I take, you know, supplements for health and things like that, right, right. but like leave Tylenol, yeah, anything yeah, like yeah. that, I should stay fucking yeah. clear of. Mm-hmm. The most I can take is Zyrtec for my allergies. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I'm, Honestly, say somewhat terrified of pills. I it's see un- prescription bottle. Yeah. yeah. I run the other fucking direction. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool around alcohol now, like this. I've, I've even been around some of the homies. They bring, you know, break out some white, something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't touch it. I don't fuck with it. Right. But I'm confident I can be in that space and not fuck up. Right. That's I hear, hear the little right. rattle of a fucking prescription pill container. Yeah. I am gone. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. saying? Like, oh, I yeah. am gone the other direction. Yeah. Because a lot of the research and, and, and you know, stuff I've been working on, um, Prescription, anything back in the day, mm-hmm. early 90s, excuse me, mid 90s, early 2000s, everything they're put on was steroid based, stimulate hardcore stimulus, and it had kids all wired up to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I read this book recently it's, uh, t- talking about gut health and our enteric nervous system and our gut, mm-hmm. our gut biome, things of that nature. There is bacteria and fungi in your stomach. That if irritated or stimulated or one is more overly produced than another, Mm -hmm. it can cause you completely to go out of whack. Mm -hmm. There's a certain, uh, I'm going to get all nerdy real quick, but there's a certain bacteria called candida. If candida is overly present in your gut biome, that enteric nervous system where your gut and your brain are constantly communicating. That's why they say, you know, um, it uh, was... Lost my train of thought, but, you know, your your gut-brain connection, you know? You eat better, you feel better, you function better, things of that nature. If candida is overproduced, it's just going crazy and rampant in your stomach. For some people, it causes higher levels of anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. For others who may be geared towards, especially young men or developing, things of that nature, aggression, violence, and, you know, harming Mm -hmm. either others or yourself. So I really think... That's where it all comes from. And when I first came to that kind of conclusion, I just I kind of laughed at myself. I'm like, tell me this isn't some fucking, you know, like, you know, mid middle class America, like like white boy type problems, bullshit, you know, because I'm like, you know, I was never assaulted, you know, I was, you know, this and that. Like, it was it was the fucking meds. And a lot of the stuff I talk about these days, and I can go on a whole tangent about it, but of I am extremely against big pharma in the US. Mm -hmm. That our medical system is not. Designed to cure, but it's right. designed to maintain because right. they're incentivized to always keep us lining their pockets. Facts. So I really think all that was just all the prescriptions that they were shoving down my throat fucked with my system so much. Right. That's where all the self harm and everything came from. Makes and as I've so. got older, yeah, if you yeah, think it about sense. it, yeah. like you go and do your homework, you'll see, like, oh shit, you really do fuck with your bacteria and your fungi and yeah, your yeah, gut yeah, biome. Yeah. You start scrambling with your hardware and right. in your brain. right And so I really think that's where it came from. And as I, you know, My recent years, mid-20s, late-20s, started doing that homework on myself of, you know, more holistic diet, more, Mm -hmm. you know, clean ingredient foods, raw Mm -hmm. foods, things of that nature, proper supplementation, nothing stimulating this and that, Um, along with, uh, we get into, but I've uh, incorporated, you know, like plant medicine, Mm -hmm. psychedelics, things like that Mm -hmm. to really help rewire my my brain. All that has helped flush out any sense of Mm -hmm. self-harm, self-suicide, any of those tendencies, Mm -hmm. and I think that's I've done the work, brother, like, you yeah, know, I, you know, wasn't, you know, harmed as a child, wasn't assaulted and things like that. I really think I was fucked up by what Big Pharma was giving those doctors to prescribe right. to me. And that's where all that fucked up shit in my head came from, yeah. which but, is weird. But that makes sense, though, man, um, because, again, man, for me,
0: man, it was the complete opposite effect for me, man, mm-hmm. because... uh I um I grew up in those environments man very yeah. very aggressive environments I was abused as a child man um physically and mentally abused um, um from my stepmother mm-hmm. um like I said I mean just watching the shit that you know my my mother being abused and shit mm-hmm. like it was um it was it was hell on earth yeah but it turned me into a it, it made me a very very timid uh introvert mm-hmm. you know what i mean so i walked around life for for all the way up until my junior year in high school, man, mm-hmm. like just to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but 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 growing up like poor and being a have not and shit, I mean, mm-hmm. people ain't fucking with you like that yeah. anyway, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time by myself, bro. And then um which turned out to be a good thing nowadays, but um, back in the day, I mean, all, you know, as kids, you know, we want to be in, you know, with Mm -hmm. the in crowd, Mm -hmm. and we want to be with the popular kids. We want to, you know, have friends and all this shit, and um, that wasn't the case for me, man, and I was, like I said, I was real to myself. I was real, like, like, like I was a recluse, man. Mm -hmm. Um, I I didn't do much of anything. I was never, like, outspoken, man. I never, um, I never, like, I was just never one of those those kids, man, I never, I, I got into trouble a lot, man, be, just by, you know, for defending myself, yeah. you know what I mean? Because when you're the have-not, you the poor kid, you got the, you know, the holy clothes. Yeah, you'll get the and, clicks yeah. come after
1: you, yeah, and target you, Facts, and victimize man. you,
0: yeah. Facts, man. So, um, I, I spent, a, I spent a few, uh, some time defending myself, mm-hmm. but, um, after a while, you know, once, I guess they understood that I was going to defend myself, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, they left me alone.
1: Yeah, they backed off.
0: Um, but what that did for me, man, um, and I never, and, and honestly, man, I never thought about harming myself either mm-hmm. um, with that fucked up life that I was living at the time, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, man. I had a lot of anger in me, man. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of anger in me and I had a lot of aggression in me. And that shit started to rear its ugly head once I joined the Air Force. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the thing about that was, it was initially started with myself because I, 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 I have a complex, man, to whereas. That whole fucking uh, anything that has to do with bullying or you know mm-hmm. anything like that, man, I, I can't see it. I won't stand for it. Yeah, and I you'll I, respond I zero, quickly, yeah, very quick. Yeah, zero tolerance for yep. it. You know what I mean? Um, until this day, it's it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's in me. I, it's never going nowhere. Yeah. So till this day, but but <laughs> the military is not a good place to be with that type of complex, yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Because yep. they'll bully a motherfucker all day, every day, because mm-hmm. they outrank you, you know what I mean? And it started with me, of course, they they felt they could do that with me. Especially in the Air Force. So I try to explain to people, um, if they don't know when it comes to the military, like the Air Force is like the Ivy League college yep. of the military. Yep, You know what I mean? It's like fucking Harvard compared to Fucking UTSA. Yeah, exactly. You See what I'm saying? Yep. So, all the other branches, their regular college, we're the fucking private college mm-hmm. of the military. That's the top Force. of the top. The top people want to the go top. there. Yeah, yep. we we're there. I was there. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, but, of course, you know, a lot of people didn't feel I should be there. You know what I mean? Mm. Because, like I said, I was quiet. I was recluse. I was to myself. I was smart as fuck. But I'm more of an observer. And yep. I don't just fucking cling any fucking body. I want to, I mean, that. Feels I should cling to them, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean. So, with that being said, like they they would, you know, the higher ups they would pick on me and Mm -hmm. and uh and you know and and all of those things. But what they weren't expecting was for me to lash back at. Yeah, stand your ground. Yeah, Yeah. stand my fucking ground. Go fuck Mm -hmm. how what your rank is, and I'm well. I'm well documented. Yeah, (laughs) like this is real shit. Um, so it made it made my time in the military in the air force very difficult for me mm-hmm. you know what i mean cuz once they got off me and they seen that i was going to stand my ground mm-hmm. when it comes to me they wasn't expecting me to stand my ground when it comes to other people yeah. cuz like i said i can't see it yeah if i'm not around you it cool, somebody else. Yeah, if yeah. i'm not around cool but for you to be picking on someone, just fucking picking on them, just because you outrank them, mm-hmm. I, 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 I've never stood for that, and yeah. I could never like motherfucker. We put our pants on the same way, mm-hmm. and you're only picking on this person because you know you could pick on this person. Yeah, pick on me, motherfucker. Yeah, that was my logic because mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it to you any way you want. It, yeah, I don't care cause what cause rank is on my. It, yep, it never mattered to mm-hmm. me. And and they they <laughs> they slowly but surely figured that out until mm-hmm. they figured out a way to get me up out that motherfucker. Jeez, you know what I mean? Yeah. But um. But. So, I, I get it, man. Um, for you, like, I, like you said, I mean, it was just all the drugs and the things mm-hmm. that you were taking, and it gave you basically a chemical imbalance. You Correct. know what I mean? 100% perfect way to put it. Yeah, a chemical yeah. imbalance, whereas I'm the one, I endured all that shit, and yeah. it made me the total opposite, but I'm different in the sense that, because it's either going to do, when, you're, when you mm-hmm. endure all of that abuse and all of that drama and all mm-hmm. of that fucking aggression... You're either going to do one, two, one or two things. Mm-hmm. You're either going to continue that way yep, or you're going to go the complete opposite so You're going to break the pattern. Break the pattern. Mm-hmm. And I chose to break, break the fucking pattern. Awesome. You Good. know what I mean? So I feel you on that, man. Um, as far as <clears throat> um, your suicide attempts, though, mm-hmm. um, as far as the last
1: one, do you mind saying when that was? No, not at all. Um, so the last one, it was... It's a trip because it's it's kind of an attempt and it's kind of a contemplation. I mean, I remember um, so uh, biggest relationship in my life. Thought it was you know the one. You know, mm-hmm. she's misses the one and this and that. And all stuff was gonna right. happen, but you know, life takes people in different directions, things right. like that. And it was at a time where I was uh, I was working nights, which on and off throughout my life that has never agreed with my system, yeah. and my it, idea, it doesn't agree with anybody's actually. Yeah, it does. Yeah, when anyone I, who's like I us do that. better at nights. We're not fucking made for that. Yeah, nah. no, no, yeah. Some people would force themselves, but I was working nights. Um, I was working, you know, 50-hour weeks, something like that, um, not living a healthy lifestyle. And I was just, again, fucking with the, my hardwiring and everything right. and, and uh, you know, chemical imbalances, things of that nature. At that time, in my early mid-20s, um, Coke had, mm-hmm. you know, become a little staple of mine here and okay. there. You know, so every, uh, you know, weekends here and there, it was in and out of my life. Again, chemical imbalances, right. fucking with myself, right. um, substances, self-harming. And there was one particular day, um, towards the end of the relationship or or a rocky patch um, about towards the end of it, um, the relationship was weighing on me. Mm-hmm. Work was weighing on me. I wasn't where I wanted to be at work. Right. Um, life was weighing on me, everything, bro. And I remember I just felt tired. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a fucking soap opera where I'm heartbroken right. or I'm right. depressed <laughs> this and that. None of that, brother. I just literally I would look in the mirror and say, like, You look gaunt. Yeah. You look tired. I just like, I'm just I'm ready to clock out. Right. You know, man. Yeah. I'm I've been I've been at this workstation of life, so to right. speak. I was like, cool. Here's my time card. I'm punching out. Right. And, um, you know, this is, this is Texas. Everybody keeps a piece on them, you know? Right, right. Second Amendment. And I had a, a 45 ACP on me at all times. Mm-hmm. Kept in the glove compartment. Um, I remember one day I pulled into the driveway, and I'm just sitting there. I'm like, man, I'm fucking... I'm tired. Right. I don't do this no more. But I was like... But I also struggle with, um, which is more of a fucking conundrum, of... Not Catholic practice anymore, but being brought up Catholic, mm-hmm. um, it was always the one thing you can't do is commit right, suicide. Right. You do that, you're going automatically to hell. Right. So, me being a young man, teenager, and this and that, always struggling, It's like I want it in my life. I'm tired of fucking being here, but I also know I would go straight to hell based off Catholicism, blah blah blah, which I've since outgrown. So my last attempt was it was so fucked up. I took the forty-five out, and I'm sitting in the driveway, and I just I didn't go in the house yet, and um, I take the clip out, and I you know open the chamber, make sure there's no round in there in this now. So that was even more frustrating. I was like, this is how big of a bitch moment this is. Mm-hmm. There's no round in the chamber. There's no nothing. I know I can't end my life, but I just want to feel it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: just want to feel, because in the past, having done pills to the point of ODing, mm-hmm. having drank alcohol and and wound up to the point of people having, you know, bring me back in this night, I right. had gotten close with pills. I had gotten close with alcohol. But that's pretty much of like, Take it and whatever go, whatever happens, happens. Hope you fucking die. You know? But the moment where I have it in my control, I have the 45 in my hand. Mm -hmm. I was even more frustrated myself, when I'm like, this is how you know you're even more of a bitch. You're tired, you want to fucking clock out from this world, but you still won't even do it when you can control the trigger, your finger on the trigger. Right. But in that sick moment, I still was like, you know what? The gun's empty this, and I just sat there, just feeling the steel against my temple. I was like, this is what it fucking feels like. Mm Mm-hmm. This is what it feels like. And, you know, squeeze the trigger and click and just hearing that empty click. And I sat there and I was like, I didn't cry. I didn't, it wasn't like a fucking movie. You know, I'm shaking and this and that. I was like, mm-hmm. remember this feeling. Because I was like, next time, like, it's not going to be empty.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just fucking reset the firearm, put the clip back in, make sure it was on safety, put it back in the glove compartment, sat there, and I was like... I was like, next time you're this fucking tired of life, that's it. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, mm-hmm. that was twenty, that was twenty eighteen. Yeah, that was summer of twenty eighteen. So yeah, just two years ago. Yeah. Um, and just everything, you know, my fucking weekends, excessive drinking, mm-hmm. you know, frustrated at work. I I'd lash out at work quite often. You know, I was just a fucking asshole walking around my relationship. I was failing myself and her in mm-hmm. that relationship. Was just just. Not shit, you know? Yeah. And um, ultimately, the relationship had its breaking point um, December 2018. Um, and I remember, like I said, still to this day, I can remember the feeling of the steel being on my temple. And I was like, I never want to have that fucking feeling again. And the relationship ended. I started turning things around at work. Started being a better coworker, a better friend, a better brother, a better family member. I was like, I never want to go back to that feeling again. Mm-hmm. And that... Turning around in 2018, also incorporating, like I said, a more holistic lifestyle, um, you know, just having a clean lifestyle, minimal to no alcohol consumption, um, choosing periods to abstain from sex, abstain from going out and just, you know, being a dog, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, incorporating things like uh, CBD really helped mellow me out, staying away from stimulants, caffeine, um, uh, coffee, energy drinks, things like that, mm-hmm. uh, supplements, you know, get you all you know, right, jacked right. up and everything. And, um, and then further educating myself and venturing into plant medicine, mm-hmm. um, you know, using it and in, 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 uh, appreciating, like, psilocybin mushrooms or LSD tabs. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done my homework. I've, I've read about the leaders in this field, how you, you know, fast, you give yourself safe space. You don't go to a fucking club or a concert, you right. know, right. with that in your system. And you do the work. You start walking through the hallways of your mind to work right. on yourself. And, brother, I tell you, ever since then, um, this last year, of, I have eradicated... Suicidal thoughts, feelings. Every now and then, they kind of rear their ugly head, but overall, it's it's like I've washed it away, man. It's it's very much overcome at this point.
0: Well, shit, man. Um, I, well, I just want to say, man, I commend you on your on your journey, man. Thank um you. It's um. Shit, we all know this thing called life, man. It's not a, it's not an easy thing to uh, maneuver through, man. Mm-hmm. And um, for you, I mean, you're, you're, to me, you're, you're young, <laughs> so. Thank you. Yeah. you know? <laughs> I get told that. Yeah. So yeah. So for you to be so young, man, and have such a, a an, uh, an understanding on mm-hmm. life as you know it, as we know it right now, um, that speaks to your character, man. That spe- speaks to your will. Uh, for pushing forward mm-hmm. so thank you I want to say thank you for that man thank you for sharing that story and mm-hmm. those stories I mean um, it could be difficult to, yeah. to hear <laughs> and and to relive those things man yeah. so um, um, I appreciate that type of uh, transparency of for real thank you for, um, for giving me the space to do that brother absolutely man absolutely so um, to shift gears man um, black lives matter man let's go yeah. what,
1: what does that mean to you Black Lives Matter is this pivotal moment in our time. Uh, Charlemagne said it the best. He said, America needs to atone for its original sins. Mm-hmm. We see how this isn't anything new. It's just more prevalent now. We have social media. We have technology, so it's in our faces. We will, never, we will never be satisfied. We will never be at peace as a nation and as a global influencer until we right the wrongs that this nation has, what it was founded on. Correct. Um, Black Lives Matter hits so hard in my heart to me because i think um of all the black people in my life who i love very much Mm -hmm. um like i talked about earlier growing up in a very diverse mixed neighborhood i was exposed to anybody from all families from all walks of life and backgrounds colors creeds and that and um, the majority of my life, most of my friends have either been black or Latino, right? Um, because me being as mixed as I am, I've always gotten um, strange reactions from Caucasian people. Right, they can't really fathom what I right. am right. ethnically, right. so they they treat me a certain different way, of react right. to me, yeah. So, but uh, black people and Latinos hardly ever gave a fuck. They're like, right. "You're cool, we're coolest," you right. know. And um, so I think about all my boys growing up with how we would experience harassment mm-hmm. or. Uh, selective prejudice out there. Whether it's just going to the store, you know, you're 17, 18 years old. Right. Hey, go get some food, something like that. Um, be treated differently. Mm-hmm. I think about my um, my my sister's family. I love them very much. She has a black husband, mm-hmm. and the things he's gone through in his life. My mixed niece and nephew. Who right. uh, my nephew? He's just two. He can't really perceive all this yet. Yeah, you know. Right, right. But my niece. Um, that's like my mini. I love her. She was uh, my sister. Actually, honored me greatly with um giving my niece uh, the female version of my middle name. So my middle name's Alexander. Her name's Alexandra. Nice. And her initials are J-A-M. My initials are J-A-M. That's, that's my little, yeah, that's my princess, yeah, man. Yeah, I love go, her very man. much. And, um, and sometimes she feels more like my little sister than my niece right. because we're close. Right. But there's been times, man, now she's older, she'll be uh, eight this year. Um, you know, hey, I want an uncle day. Let's go to the movies. Let's yeah. go this and that, blah, blah, And being treated differently or seeing people's looks out there in right. public, you know, yeah. um. Yeah. especially them there in the New Braunfels shirts area uh-huh. so going yeah it's a little bit more rural over there yeah, still man, yeah. yeah so man when, when my beautiful light skinned niece wants to uncle they go into the movie theater we go see you know Lion King right. and get looks get eyed up and down and this and that like we gotta change that yeah. I think of the times like you know what my brother-in-law has been victim to in his life the things he's told me about the instances where I've been out there with him hanging out and it's like getting treated differently um Black Lives Matter is so personal to me because it affects everybody I love. And, again, like I said, this nation needs to right its original wrong. And overall, it's the right thing to do. How we talked about at the protest. Right. You know, many people, they want to know why it directly affects you. You know, Joshua, you're not a person of color, so you got to have some skin in the game somewhere else. Right. Yes, I do. My family, my friends, people I love very much. But at the end of the day, when you are an individual and you know what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong, you got to do something. Right. The only way for evil to triumph in this world is for good people to do nothing. Right. So I don't care if you're a fucking Kyle, you know, your right, white right. is anything, your right. family is all Caucasian, this and that. But if you feel it in your bones, like this is not right, right. and I need to do something, right. that's what Black Lives Matter means. Like you just got to do the right thing at the end of the day, not only for the people in your life who you love and care for, but because it's the right thing to do. Right. And that's what it hits home with me.
0: That's good, man. So um, we get a lot of, we get a lot of fl- <clears throat> we get a lot of flack because of the term black lives matter mm-hmm. a lot of people want to take that and they want to run with it and and you know and then you know combat it with a whole all lives matter or blue lives matters um movements that they have out there so yeah very much so um but the ignorance of those people mm-hmm. is very astonishing to mm-hmm. me because. We shouldn't have to say black lives matter too, or as well, or, you know, any of those Nothing. things to, for them to understand that that's exactly what we mean. Yeah. And in nowhere in shape, form, or fashion have we ever said that black lives matter only. That'd be naive, and that'd mm-hmm. be stupid to even say. But for that narrative of all lives matters... Um, what do you say to that? What What do you say to to What do you say to those type? What to those people who continue to embark on that whole "all lives matter" crusade that they're on?
1: I these days I do my best not to get mad. Um, anger for me, just right. me personally, is right. very counterproductive. For right. some people, it works. It gets it gets shit done, and it does get shit done. Right. But me these days, I try not to get mad. I also try my best not to laugh in their face because right. that's counterproductive for them. Right. I try to exercise patience and I say, like, how many more examples do you need on social media? How many more analogies do you need? We got, you know, the house burning in the neighborhood. Right. All the hell this matter? Well, no, right now, the house that's, that's on fire, fire matters. Matter. You know, how, all those different analogies, like, it's there for you. And for you still, for your mind to be closed, right. to not get it, like, what are you doing? Come on, right now our black brothers and sisters, their house is on fire in this neighborhood. It's been burning right. and no one has doused it right. since the dawn of this nation. Right. Like, I don't care. Like, the rest of... Oh, well, what about our houses? Not, what the? They're not on fire. <laughs> right. Black Lives Matter, right? Is That's what it is right now. Right. And for people to... Not, like I said, for every knowledgeable individual, for every group out there advocating for it and sharing so much knowledge, mm-hmm. like, it's in your face. You 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 can't dispute it. You can't deny it because... I love the narrative you see from a lot of black leaders is black lives matter. Yes. And then they put a comma, you know, all lives matter. They they do. But right now, black lives matter the most because that's most affected. And I'm like, you that should hit you right in the heart, right in the head. And you should be like, all right, cool. Now I get right. it. All those all lives matter people. Right. If you still don't get it, the narrative right now, then... I have to believe you are choosing to stay closed minded. Right. 100%. Right. Because every example, every analogy, every depiction, every bit of information, every leader, every teacher, every group has said it a thousand different ways that there's no way it cannot click with you. So if it doesn't and you're still fixated on the whole all lives matter thing, you're closed minded, you're selfish, and at this point, I, I have to believe you're choosing to remain that way. Right. And if you are, well, then you're the opposition and you're gonna be met with. Hey, you're getting pushed out. There's no space for you anymore.
0: I agree, man. So um, moving forward, um, what, let me see how I'm frame this question Um, for yourself, for you, Josh, Mm -hmm. and Pass the Jam, the podcast, what are you going to do? What are you doing going forward, or what would you like to do or see happen going forward as far as the uh, Black Lives Matter movement is concerned?
1: Especially for me, like I said, my platform, how the space will always be there for any and everybody, open door policy, you know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. full transparency, Um, the leaders of the local groups I've spoken to, they know that door is always open for them and anybody. That's what my space will always be, open platform, open door policy, come and talk about everything, especially with what's going on in our nation right now and and to get the truth out there. Mm -hmm. For me personally, it's continuing to educate myself, continuing to educate others, um, knowledge is power it's a huge foundational piece for me to stand on and what can i do to further educate myself always cuz it, it, it never stops no, it never stops not only for me you know a mixed whatever non-person of color you know right. and then for our black brothers and sisters out there right knowledge is always power right more 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 knowledge i can arm myself with that i can then in turn have the conversations not only on air but off air with my friends my family coworkers when i return to work um neighbors anybody right because the more you can get that dialogue to not only continue, but to thrive and grow, it can snuff out that hatred. It can open those closed minds and it can just, get, not just change this world. And I, I, I truly believe in a lot of people. I may think that's corny or whatever, but I'm like, not nah, like we see how much a good conversation like this can change Correct. and c- connect two men who otherwise wouldn't have been connected. Facts. Knowledge, conversation, communication, connection is something I will always aspire to, to move more forward with in a powerful sense and and however I can maintain that connection um not only for my platform but for myself
0: that's good man so man we're gonna um we're gonna wrap it up man um let's see man um covered a lot of things today man yeah man most (laughs) definitely covered a lot of things today I wanna uh again man thank you and let you know I appreciate you for uh, doing this coming on this platform for doing this I appreciate that as well 100% um Past the jam, that's Josh McG. Um, go ahead
1: and let them know where they can find you at, man, yes, on
0: uh, all your social media platforms.
1: Well, again, I appreciate this. Like I said, our first you know, local podcasters collaboration, um, coming together and sharing the space with each other means, uh, means the world to me, brother. I, I can't thank you that, enough. Man. And to put me in the role as a guest, yeah, yeah. it's new for me. <laughs> so you know, I will continue to grow in this and uh, be as powerful and uh, helpful as a guest as I can be. The Minority Report podcast, man. I love it. It's I a good space. That, I appreciate that, man. Um, appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Pass the Jam on everything. People, um, Instagram, Pass the Jam, all lowercase, all one word. The podcast, Pass the Jam, available on all platforms. Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Google Play. It's there. And uh, Twitter, underscore Pass the Jam. That's where y'all can find me. And um, yeah, feel free to reach out to me anytime. Open door policy. There you guys have it, man. That's my man, Josh, from Pass
0: the Jam podcast um again man thank you i appreciate yes, it it's, it's an honor man um Likewise. powerful story man um again i'm gonna tell you again like i've told you before man i'm glad you're still here with us thank man you. um you're destined for greatness i told you I that, that. <laughs> that's, that's high man. praise that's high praise man <laughs> you're destined for I'm, greatness man I'm whatever like best. i like i told you before man whatever it is it, you you have that thank you bro um for sure man so um i look forward to uh, working with you again in the in the future yes sir um see you at a few protests, whatever it is we're doing, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, man, my seat here at The Minority Report is always going to be open for you, man. Yes, and um, Like I said, man, uh, thank you for your time, man, and I appreciate you, man. brother. I appreciate it, man. Good things. All right, y'all, man. That's The Minority Report. My name is Dre E. Episode number 21. I'll see y'all when I see y'all. All right, peace. Whew. There we go, you guys. Another episode of The Minority Report is in the books. I want to thank all the listeners out there for continuing to listen to us each and every week to all of our new listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The more the merrier. Please spread the word. You can follow us at minority rap pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So all social media platforms, minority rap pod on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I want to shout out to my girl, Ty white for the beat um for the intro outro beat so y'all look her up tie white beats tie white underscore beats and that's on your instagram or on apple music as well you can find her She the lace you with a beat or two um also look us up on our youtube channel the minor report it's on youtube uh we're on there please hit that subscribe button uh like us dislike us leave a comment um let us know let us know how we did on today's episode and we'll greatly appreciate that So then, um...